Ooh, fun stuff. Lovey dovey cool stuff. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, I feel like I'm in the club. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. But chapters nine and ten of Knowing God by J.I. J.I. Packer. Wow. J.I.R. Packer. J.I.R. Packer. It's not Packer, as we learned in the last episode. It is Packer. Chapters 9 and 10. I finally have highlights again. Woohoo! And notes. Wow. <laughs> life is going good. So 9 and 10, like 7 and 8, are very less meaty. They're, these are like diet chapters that we have in the mm. middle here. This is like a teenager that has decided they want to go on a diet before they get back to steak. <laughs> The one time I like diets. <laughs> the one time you like diets. Wow. Okay, Just I see kidding. how it is. Okay. So chapter nine is called God Only Wise. Now, what I find interesting, just so you know, um, is that wisdom in most religious kind of circles, and even in like uh, song, not, not songs. Proverbs. No. Ecclesiastes. Oh. Huh? Yeah, Ecclesiastes and Proverbs too, but calls wisdom like by the feminine. Mm -hmm. But the, most religions do that too. I just found that interesting. Just bonus side note, uh, bonus uh, notes in there uh, because I don't think Packer, if I remember right, really brings that up as a point and that's fine. Mm. Doesn't need to. But there is a lot going on here in this dealing with wisdom and we start off right at the beginning with this wisdom is a moral as well as an intellectual quality i was like huh that's interesting why do you say that packer impact goes wisdom is a power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it wisdom is in fact the practical side of moral goodness it's like huh that's interesting and then he continues it is found in its fullness only in god he alone is naturally and entirely and invariably wise it's like huh okay that's an interesting way to to, to start this out and i was like you're, you're starting with a big premise here packer you're starting with the premise that Yes, God is wise. God is all this. Uh, God is uh, everything with this. But but I was just like, huh. Wisdom is moral as well as intellectual. I never thought of wisdom as a moral quality before, to be honest. I've always thought of wisdom as that, you know, you know, the old, I guess the old uh, analogy you know, you, you you know that two plus two is four. You know that tomato is a fruit, but you know tomato. But wisdom is knowing that tomato doesn't belong in a fruit salad, because you know tomato is a fruit, really, right? Mm -hmm. So you know knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing it doesn't belong in a fruit salad. I've never heard that before. <laughs> you never heard that one? No. Or or That's the one awesome. another one that I heard it a little more dark and disgusting. You know the toe jam is jam, but you know that jam that jam doesn't belong anywhere. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I think that one does sound more familiar though. But ooh, yeah, that's ugh. why I use the tomato one more. I like the tomato one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because and that it actually still surprises a lot of people. And they're like, "Wait, tomatoes a fruit? Yes, it's a fruit." 
tomatoes a fruit, but it does not belong in fruit salad. Why is it a fruit again? Because of where the seeds are located uh, and how and how that's all done. We can get into that a whole thing about fruits versus vegetables, but you know what? I am not educated enough and knowledgeable enough, and I know that I'm wise enough not to engage in that conversation <laughs> until I know more. <laughs> nice. Well done. How? What wisdom you have? <laughs> but I, I just found that funny though that it, it, it is talk about it as a moral quality. I never yeah. contemplated that fact that it's part of the moral quality. And the thing is, he says that, and just like I pushed back on you and Josh in our group chat, I was like, okay, you say this, you better bring the proof. You better bring the receipts, as they say nowadays, on why is it a moral quality. All right. So we'll see in this Uh, chapter if he brings those receipts or not. I hope so. Okay. So, you know, don't get me wrong. Will I dis I would not even disagree with the fact that, you know, when he says that something he says something like, um, God is never other than wise in anything they does. Okay, yeah, I agree one hundred percent with that, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's goodness. But this is me being pedantic and overanalyzing everything, but that's how I get to be sometimes. <laughs> now so that that was like within the first two paragraphs of this chapter, okay? And yes. I'm already challenging Packer, and I love to challenge Packer. Apparently, <laughs> apparently that has become my new side hustle: is challenging Packer on things. Oh yes, beautiful. Now, did you have anything in those first two paragraphs? No. Okay. I only had something uh, ninety-one. All right. Now you'll have to, um, I guess, excuse me a little bit. Because our pages are not going to match up exactly anymore. No. <laughs> while, I'm on, while I'm on Kindle. But here's what I here's something um, under the segment wisdom, ours and God's. So he talks some names here. Okay. Yeah. So it says, because you know, so here's his his thesis for this chat or this um, paragraph. He says, human wisdom can be frustrated by circumstantial factors outside the wise person's control. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea how to say this name. Ooh. Ethopel. Yeah. Okay. Do you know who he is? Uh. He was a counselor of David that betrayed him. Hence why he's a turncoat counselor. And he tried to get David's son, Ab, Ab, Absalom, Absalom. Yep, to betray and kill David. And he, in Packer wrote... Ethopel, this turncoat yeah. counselor. He said he gave him sound advice when he urged Absalom to finish off David at once before he was able to recover and rest and everything. But Absalom took a different line and Ethopel, seeing the wounded pride for seeing the revolt fail, went home in despair and committed suicide. This is back in 2 Samuel 17. You know, and he and he goes with this and he's saying, well, okay, so, you know, humans, because we can't see everything that's going to happen, obviously our wisdom is faulty and frail. And Okay, I'll give you that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, but God's wisdom cannot be frustrated uh, in the ways that Ethipal's good advice was for it because God's wisdom is allied or joined with or in conjunction with or used with 
however you want to put it, with omnipotence. And you know what omnipotence is, right? <sighs> What's omnipotence? No. You don't know? No. Okay. That's fine. That, if you say no, that is fine. That, okay. So omnipotence is having unlimited power. Omni being unlimited potence power. Able to do anything. I forgot I'm, I have your book in my hands again. Why? I was thinking I was like, I feel like I would have underlined that. You, this is your. But this is, I mean, still, I underlined everything that I underlined, but I was like, shoot. Why didn't I? I didn't underline, underline anything, anything in nine. these ones. No, yeah, nine or ten. But I was just like, wait a minute. Yep. How did I? Yeah, okay. So I was like. Unlimited power. Yes. Yeah. So. This sentence, at first blush on reading it, can be confusing. Omniscience, governing omnipotence, infinite power ruled by infinite wisdom, is a basic biblical description of the divine character. What? Um, I've always pronounced it omnipotence. Omnipotent. Um, 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 <laughs> I, I was like omnipotence. I was like, um, I was like omnipotence. Okay. Anywho, omnipotence, omnipotence. Omnipot well, well, omnipotence. I don't know which one. I've always said omnipotence. Okay. All right. That's how I'm going to go with it now. Omnipotence. I know how it is. Because it's omniscience. 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 Omni. Uh, it's the omni. Yeah. And I, okay. Goodness. Uh, insight into Paul's mind here. I played Final Fantasy VII a lot growing up when I was a teenager, and one of Cloud Strife's ultimate moves was called Omni Slash. No, <laughs> well, so it's the Omni. It's the um, Omni. Well, yeah, I guess it's so. That's why. That's why. Omni. That's why I go more okay. Omni. Omnipotence. Yeah, Om exactly. That's my brain is stuck in that way of Final Fantasy VII and seeing the Omni Slash. Oh gosh. Which, if you've never played Final Fantasy VII, the original, not the remake. Oh, I've never, <laughs> never played kiss. that one. <laughs> but again, it's one of those things if you like JRPGs or not, yeah. that's up to you. If you don't like them, you will hate it. But if you love JRPGs, so good. Yes. <laughs> my, I just, my brain was just like, wait a minute. Hold up here. Hold up. Wait a minute. Get the wheel sort of turn. Anyways. So. He's going on about that, right? Yes. Was there anything in this section, by the way, before I continue on, that you had highlighted, wanted to cover? Uh, in the, it was pretty much I had something at the end of this paragraph, where it was, wisdom without power would be pathetic, a broken reed. Power without wisdom would be merely frightening. But in God, boundless wisdom and endless power are uni oh, united. And this makes him utterly worthy of our fullest trust. Yeah, I had that area highlighted too. Uh, specifically, I had the wisdom without power would be pathetic. Power without wisdom would be merely frightening. Didn't have the rest of it highlighted. And the mm. reason I highlighted that is it shows how one balances out the other. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, hmm, okay. But it does say, 
but in God. Boundless wisdom and endless power are united. And I think what he's trying to do, he's trying to pull that back into his thesis for this chapter, which is that wisdom is a it is an attribute of, of is a moral thing. Hmm. Yeah. So I was like, all right, okay, I get this. I get what you're going for. Not I'm not a hundred percent on uh, board with your uh assertions yet, but I'm there. Hmm. I'm there for it. I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm here to I'm here, I'm here to give it a listen and then I'm gonna give you a judgment afterwards. I am in the club and ready to dance. What? Getting closer to that youth pastor terminology. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can never reproduce it fully because I well, yeah, maybe not fully as you're getting closer now. <laughs> it's all facetiously being done. <laughs> In love. In love. <laughs> okay. <sighs> so the next thing I I, I I I I wrote down here was the line where we cannot recognize God's wisdom unless we know the end for which he is working. And I wrote, interesting thought here, that the wisdom isn't apparent unless we know the end God is working for, which for Calvinists could be impossible. Because, and here's why I go with that, because unless, in the Calvinist worldview, unless you've been predestined to be elected, you can't know what the Spirit is doing, and you wouldn't be sensitive to what God would be doing, and you can't know God unless you're predestined and pre-elected. So I was like, huh, that could be interesting. <laughs> I was like, hey, look, Calvinism, coming back to bite him again. Oh, weird. Oh. Sorry, that's just me taking any little jab I can at Calvinism when it comes up because I can <laughs> and I love to. You're lucky we live in America. <laughs> but he's from Britain, so we'll it's true. It's oh, true. What does it matter? It doesn't yeah. matter. Again, the Calvinism thing is a secondary issue. Oh, it's not yeah. a primary yeah. issue. It's not an issue which I would go away from me, you evil foul being. You speak heresy. Yeah. It, it's going to be along the lines of, yeah, we're going to disagree on this, but it's not going to be the end of the world. We could still have lunch. You know, we could, <laughs> we could still, we could still talk. We could know. still go to the club together. <laughs> I just want to say that whatever I can just to see. Was there anything in that area that you highlighted? Cause I highlighted something that mm -hmm. I think is a stumbling block for a lot of people. Okay. I have, I don't, I don't know why I just was lazy on the underlined just a short little spot. Cause it's like, well, it's the whole thing I should have underlined, but it's misunderstanding what the Bible means when it says that God is love. And so see first John four, chapter four verses eight through 10. Uh, they think that God intends a trouble free life for all. Um, irrespective of their moral and spiritual state. And hence they conclude that anything painful and upsetting illness, accident, injury, loss of job, uh, suffering of a loved one indicates either that God's wisdom or power or both have broken down or that God after all does not exist. Yep. So, and, and I, I highlighted and, you know, I did my highlight shortening thing yes so my highlight shortening essentially shortened it down to this god is love 
you know, or it should be misunderstanding what the Bible means when it says that God's love. Mm-hmm. They think that God intended a trouble-free life for all. And I think painful and upsetting indicates that either God's wisdom or power or both have broken down or that God, after all, does not exist. God's wisdom never pledged to keep a fallen world happy or to make ungodliness comfortable. Mm. There's a lot of extra words in there. That, yes. And that's what it really shortens down to in, yes. in there. And I was like, yeah, that is true because, and that's why I said, that's why I think a lot, the, the biggest stumbling block for a lot of people is, is because they go, oh, I'm a Christian now. Everything's going to be happy. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to have this and everything's going to be good. And, and then all of a sudden, wait, why did my mom die of cancer still? Why did I lose my job? coming from? Why did this happen? What did, a lot of people, unfortunately, they expect that when they go, well, I'm going to follow you, God. It's like the magic genie. Oh, yeah, everything will be good now. It's basically, yeah, the whole prosperity stuff. Yep. Which, I mean. You mean what? <sighs> prosperity gospel is wrong. Uh, I guess. Well, yeah. It's like. <laughs> where <laughs> Hi. um as far as, as far as like prosperity stuff goes as a christian you already are blessed you will be blessed continuously obviously troubles happen but that's that's the whole like the sin aspect of being on earth obviously is a word i mean a heartache happened suffering happens because it's in here and we always get caught up in the thing where it's like oh yeah we won't feel pain anymore whatever all this lovey-dovey cool Woo, fun stuff lovey-dovey cool stuff Woo. <laughs> Woo, i feel like i'm at the club oh my god <laughs> <laughs> go on but <laughs> in the long term i mean it's we have the eternity of heaven to look forward to. So, yes, I mean we are blessed beyond measures. Uh huh. So it's like, yes, everything will be great at some point, but we're gonna have a tough time while we're still here. And I mean, not everybody obviously. Is, every people are gonna have different experiences. People might not have as terrible of, I guess or tough in a sense lives as other people do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it's it is. It's one of my favorite sayings and it's my mom's least favorite saying. She says anytime I say it to her, she's like, I hate that saying. I'm like, well it is what it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I that is that is interesting though, because like I've there's been other, I want to say, like, speakers where I've heard them say, like, it is what it is. It's just, it's not a good way to go about things. I'm just like, why? But, yeah. You can't, I mean, what are you going to do to change it? I don't know. Well, I mean, it, it is what it is. The phrase. Yes. It is what it is. The reason I like it. Yes. Is, and this is more insight into the background workings of my brain here. Okay. Mm. When I was going through my outpatient therapy, one of the things that, you know, my therapist and that helped me identify is one of the things I do is I will put things off and off and off until ultimately I cannot 
put it off anymore. I'm forced like it to address it yeah. in some way. And, and the root one, of the root causes of that for me, and, and it took me some time with my inpatient, my outpatient, my therapist to, to figure this out. Is I was afraid of those maybe those conversations that had or those interactions or whatever. And they're and they're like, look, here's the thing: you can either dwell in the past. And, and and maybe some bad interactions you had. You can dwell in the future, the potential bad interactions that it has. Could be. Could be. Or you could deal in the current state of things and just realize it is what it is. You'll get, you'll get over it eventually. You'll get through it and life will move forward. It is what it is. Sometimes you have no control over those things to change them. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you do. Things that are in your media control that you can change, you know, where you're involved, fine, whatever, you can change them. But things that are outside your control, it is what it is. What do you do? Exactly. Do you, are you going to sit there and fret and worry and be in this constant state of fear and panic and depression because you can't change something else that's outside of your control? Or do you live knowing that you can Control what you can control within your sphere of influence and move on the best you can with the other stuff going on. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. So that, that's why it's become one of my favorite phrases because it helps me in a way. It's not a mantra per se, but it helps me get through some of those things of like mm-hmm. where I'm tempted to be like, well, I don't want to address this. Well, you know what? I, j- I just need to push through and do it. Right. And it helps me stay mentally healthier hmm. in, in essence. You know, it, it's one of those things I just have to sometimes move through. But that's why I like that statement because it, right. is, it is what it is sometimes. Sometimes we have no choice in, in saying some of these things. And in the same thing with this where it says, you know, God's wisdom never pledged to keep a fallen world happy or to make ungodliness comfortable and then points out not even to christians has he promised a trouble-free life rather mm. the reverse yeah yeah it is what it is yep and we have to and i have to be able to be comfortable living with that and so that's why I, going through it i was like all right i got it i, I get it i i okay still not um convinced of the premise that Wisdom is more goodly moral, but mm. I'm still convinced that it is doing things right. Is there anything else in this section that you had highlighted? Because the next thing I have highlighted isn't until the next area where it says God dealing with his people. Oh, okay. Uh, I just had love and honor him, which is uh, going on from that last start of a paragraph where it's what is he after then what is his goal what does he aim at when he made us his purpose was that we should love and honor him yep yep and then uh before we get to the god dealing with his people i also have so the i guess would be the first um full paragraph on the page 92 uh this will be god's glory and our glory too in every sense which that weighty word can bear. And then I have underlined, but it will only be fully realized in the next world. 
in the context of a transformation of the whole created order. Mm-hmm. Which... <sighs> yeah. We won't fully see it until later. Yep. Which... <gasps> can't imagine. <laughs> it's... <sighs> Hurts the brain a little bit. God, even, oh, man, just thinking of heaven and all that stuff, it just it hurts my brain. The whole thought of eternity is just like, uh, you know what else hurts my brain? Dealing with me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say all the thumping in a club, but from the bass. That's the best part. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just want to see what you'd say. All about that bass. No trample. Okay. okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> wow. Okay. The 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 a d d h whatever it is in my head is strong. I didn't know we were doing a Bible Belt today, but apparently yeah. we are. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got that going on. Um. So what I I highlighted under here under the God dealing with His people. Mm-hmm. I I wrote I highlight this only because. It was an interesting statement. Abraham was not by nature a man of strong principle. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that something you underlined too? No, I was, I went, when, I was, I was, when I was reading this, I was just like, because, I mean, I always think of the story of the Abraham and Isaac. I was like, oh, how he's just so trusting and whatnot. He's like, he would go and, well, like, but that he was had confidence. Near, but that was near the end of his life. Yes, yeah. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know when I first read that too, I was like, wait. But then I had to think. I was like, wait, that's near the end of his life. We're not talking near the beginning where he would lie to people and say, oh, no, his wife was his sister. Yeah. Oh, he slept with the, 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 the maid to have a child with her or mm-hmm. the slave, not the maid, uh, to have a child with her because he didn't think that, you know, that he would have a, do- a, a, a kid with. With his wife, essentially. Well, yeah, her, well, her maid. Well, I guess it's, in here it says her uh, her maid, uh, Hagar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It depends on your translation, maid, okay. servant, sort of deal. Yeah, same, same, but different. Okay. But what what he gets at is he goes. Abraham needed most to learn the practice of living in God's presence, seeing light all life in relation to Him and looking to Him and Him alone as commander, defender, and rewarder. And then kind of goes through some of the stuff that Abraham went through along the this line to lear, learn this. You know, and Abraham was promised all this land. His descendants would be numerous as the grains of sand and all that. And then it comes to this. Abraham never possessed any more of Canaan than a grave. Where is that? I can't tell you the exact page number, but it's it's like a couple of paragraphs down there. Oh. And then from here, it talks about, you know, how essentially Abraham did this transformation, right? Yeah. You know, we see how he, um, it says he declines to claim his due precedence over his nephew, 
We see new courage. He sets off a mere 300 men to rescue Lot from the combined forces of four kings. Seeing new dignity as as he deprecates keeping the re, uh, reca- recaptured booty. Wow. My brain literally just wanted to say <laughs> recapturated. I was like... <laughs> uh, so it keeps going through. Uh, there was one word in here. I was like, I wonder if Aaron knows what it is. It says, we have... S- we see him becoming a man of prayer and importunate intercessor burdened with a sense of responsibility before God for others. Do you know what that word means? Oh, no, but I was going to laugh because I was going to see if um, it was something I had online and I had a question mark. Um, it's single-eyed? Um, it's in the second full paragraph of 93. What's it start with? Uh, what Abraham needed most was, oh, was to learn to practice of, was the practice of living in God's okay. presence. And then a little bit down there. So it's, I am God, the almighty walk before me and be blameless, single eyed and sincere. It's like, what? This is Packer adding in. Emphasis on something here. Okay. He's adding his own notes, essentially. This yeah. isn't a translation thing. Uh, so what he's saying, uh, single-eyed and sincere, he's saying, okay, this is going to sound like a horrible analogy. Okay. Uh, when I'm training my dog, Zena, I train her to keep her eyes only on me when I do things. I will, li- okay. I will literally go, watch me. And look, this is the movement I do. I put my fingers up to my hands, up to my eyes. I go, watch me. I want her to only have eyes for me while whatever else is going on. My mother could be throwing a steak in front of her face, but I want her to watch me. I want her to be focused on mm-hmm. me Okay. as we go through it. And I want that focus because you know a dog. They're very food moving. I'm working on her with this a lot. And it is hard because you throw like a piece of meat in front of a dog. They're going to want that meat and they're going to like side eye it. They're going to look at it and they're going to like look at it, drool, look at it, drool. But, (laughs) you know, but they keep returning to me, right? Mm -hmm. But they keep side eyeing it. Yeah. So I need to get her to the point, Zena to the point where I go watch me. She looks at me, ignores the meat, doesn't even drool, doesn't side eye it. Yeah. In a way, that's what I think he's trying to get here. We need to be looking so much at God and sincere about it. That we're not batting our eyes to the other things of the world that are going around us. Mm-hmm. We're not worried about our work. You know, now this isn't to say that these things are not important in our lives and that we should oh, work man. on them, but no. it, it's not a thing that we don't trust God with. We trust God with those things. Mm-hmm. And by trusting God, we put our eyes on Him, mm-hmm. we focus on Him, and we go, it is what it is. Guide us on this way. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't get derailed. Exactly. Okay, but... So, anyways... Also... No, I don't know what that word is, though. <laughs> it means <laughs> persistent. Okay. I'm trying to... I thought I just saw it, but I can't seem to see it now. So, in other words, it should read, an, a persistent intercessor burdened with a sense of responsibility before God for others. I saw that. I was like, I bet you Aaron is not going to know what that word means. So, let me take a look and uh oh yeah importunate yeah i was like let me look that up and yeah yeah so it it really means persistent 
especially to the point of annoyance or intrusion. Yeah, we need that. <laughs> okay. I need But that. it's saying that Abraham, yeah. be, you know, he started off with this as this very impulsive guy, mm-hmm. not trusting God. And he eventually became this by living within God's wisdom and learning from God through the time. He became a new man. Yep. And, you know, it keeps going on how, you know, Jacob should marry his cousins, Leah and Rachel, and become the father of the 12 patriarchs. You know, going mm-hmm. through that whole thing in that whole craziness. So this is all in well, Genesis, yeah. Yeah. I always forget how much happens in Genesis. Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> there's another there's another thing in here. It's talk when Jacob had filched Esau's birthright and blessing. What does filched mean? Was it the kind they took? Yeah, stolen. Yeah. And then it says Esau turned against him naturally, and Jacob had to leave home in a hurry. Yeah, that that whole story is Jacob and Esau, and then how he ends up marrying his cousins is weird, but you know. (laughs) We're in the South, apparently. (laughs) Good old Alabama. Yep, 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 yep. Sorry, didn't mean to name names, huh? Uh, well, you can name names. My my campaign's over. They don't have any Alabama relationships anymore. That was creepy. Goodness. So he, he, he keeps, you know, so pa- uh, I almost called him Patrick. Packer keeps talking about these people in Genesis, you know, descendants mm-hmm. of Abraham and how they are learning through various things to rely on God and his wisdom and all that. Now, here was interesting, and it just reminded me of me, right? Uh, the story of Jacob wrestling God. Uh. And, and I was just like, yeah. And here's what I highlighted. I highlighted, Jacob had hold of God. He wanted a blessing, an assurance of divine favor, right? And then it says, and protection in this crisis. But he could not get what he sought. Instead, he grew ever more conscious of his own state, utterly helpless and without God, utterly hopeless. He felt the full bitterness of his unscrupulous, cynical ways now becoming home to now coming home to roost. He had hereto been self-reliant, believing himself to be more than a match for anything that might come. But now he felt his complete inability to handle things. And it keeps going on about this. In other words, this is why he sought that blessing right this is why he 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 goes i'm not gonna let you go essentially until you bless me he goes he literally goes i will not let you go unless you bless Mm -hmm. me and then goes and now at last god spoke the word of blessing for jacob was now weak and despairing and humble and dependent enough to be blessed and then says jacob never lapsed back into his old ways limping jacob had learned his lesson I was like, hmm. Now, do I think God has to make us all limp for us to learn lessons? I don't know. Some no. of us maybe, but <laughs> yeah, it's yeah for everybody. No, but some yeah. But I think he he sums it up pretty well here. God uses sustained hardship to teach these lessons very frequently. 
That's a true statement. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be crippling, but they can be hard for us. They can be difficult in the time that we're going through them. And I know we both had our own things at times. Mm-hmm. You don't have to look all side eye on that. Side eye? Yeah. <laughs> Side eye. Side eye. So was there anything else in there that you had highlighted you want to cover you thought was cool and should be brought out? Oh boy. Um there was ooh, talking about Jacob. Gosh, oh, we're so Jacob must be made to feel his own utter weakness and foolishness, must be brought to such complete self-distrust that he would no longer try to get on by exploiting others. Jacob's self-reliance must go once and for all, uh, for God always waits. Oh, and then so with patient wisdom, God always waits for the right time. Uh and then going to, oh, boy, 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 boy. Oh, there were hours of desperate, agonized conflict, spiritual and, as it seemed to Jacob, physical also. Um, being utterly hopeless without God. And then so as when you were talking about um, uh, he had, how do you, hith, hith, hitherto, I don't know been self-reliant believing himself to be more than a match for anything that might come but now felt completely all his complete inability to handle things and he knew with blinding blazing certainty that never again dare he trust himself to look after himself and to carve out his destiny never again dare he try to live by his wits it just kept uh, well brought to my mind of just how some, I mean, basically just kind of what you're going on about where it's like not all of us have to go through, like, I guess to a point, like crippling things to kind of get us <laughs> on track with God sort of thing. So we we don't pretty much where we just submit and stop being stubborn and want our own thingies. But it's like hitting those lowest lows and being at those lowest points where it takes us to finally be like, oh, have that wake up moment. Like, hello. Yep. Freaking idiot. Come on. And we've all <laughs> had those. Go. We've all had those moments. Oh, yes. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's all I had for that section. I didn't have anything until, well, I guess really underlined until ooh, our perplexing trials. Oh yeah, our perplexing trials. Uh, so I had a only a couple things highlighted here, but mm-hmm. I think the main thing, and, I, and this might even be the same thing that you have highlighted. I don't know. Let's see. We'll see how close we are to one another on this. What? What? what what's that facial expression for? Huh? Oh wait, this. Saying <laughs> this is the end already. I was like, oh wait, no, there's still chapter ten. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I forgot just how short that was. Yeah. Uh, okay, so what I had highlighted was this. Therefore, be too taken aback when unexpected and upsetting and discouraging things happen to us now. What do they mean? Simply that God in his wisdom means to make something of us which we have not attained yet, and he is dealing with us accordingly. 
so why do why did I underline that? Mm-hmm. Because what what he's talking about is he's saying, hey, you know, these things, Abraham, Jacob, all this stuff, you know, that we're to learn from. It why is it written down? It's because the same wisdom that brought them through those paths that taught them through life is the same wisdom in the Bible. That's the same wisdom from God, same wisdom from the Holy Spirit that teaches us now through our paths, whatever they may be. Yes, they're going to be different than what those individuals went through, but that doesn't mean they're different because it's from the same God that we learned in previous chapters. Guess what? Is immutable. Hmm. Bringing that word back into it. Ah. Nice. <laughs> Where was that? I'm I'm been trying to find that what that section that you read. Uh, the therefore be too taken aback. Yeah, that's right on right at the start of our perplexing trials. Is it really? Yes, it is. The line starts. We should not, comma. Ah, there we go. Therefore, to be too taken. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had uh, <clears throat> I had Paul saw part. Of the reason, well, yeah, part of the reason for his own afflictions and the fact that God, and then it has in quotes, Second Corinthians one four, no Quran, yeah, shoot, Corin, yeah, wow, <laughs> that's wow. Second Corinthians one four, Corinthians, yeah, Chronicles starts with the C H, yeah, that's right, hello. Corinthians, yes, yeah, second Corinthians, one four. Um, so anywho, Paul saw part of the reason for his afflictions and the fact that God comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves had received from God. Going, I, I mean, which we'd already kind of already talked about, where it's like each of us has our own struggles and mm-hmm. sort of thing, where we can then have well be there for anybody else that can also share in the same struggles that we have been through sort of thing. I was like, mm-hmm. right. how cool. How cool. How neat is that? How neato. Very neato. I'm sure that's a club song. It's not what I'm gonna listen to now. <laughs> no, no, I'll find it. I'll... Anything else highlighted in this section? No, that was that was it. That's all I had surprisingly. Okay. I highlight these are things here. All right. Meanwhile, we ought not to hesitate to trust his, God's wisdom, even when he leaves us in the dark. Mm. And then I also highlight this. Mm. If we do these two things, we shall never find ourselves wholly in the dark as to God's purpose in our troubles. Mm. Now, what are these two things he's talking about? They're in the paragraph above. He says, first, by taking them as from God, and asking ourselves what reactions to them and in them the gospel of God requires of us. Second, by seeking God's face specifically about them. It's a paragraph right above. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the last thing I did was this. I highlighted was this. It's right at the end of this chapter. Paul saw that his trouble was sent. I think it should say say, um, to him. Because it says, Paul saw that his trouble was sent him to enable him 
to glorify Christ. That's a mouthful that's weird without it's all criticized. He accepted it as a wisely appointed and even rejoiced in it. Okay. And then what we learn in chapter 10. The things we learn here will change our lives forever. They are the impotence by which we change things. And this is chapter 10, God's wisdom in ours. In ours. When the old reformed theologians dealt with the attributes of God, they used to classify them in two groups, incommunicable and communicable. What, sir, is incommunicable and what is communicable? Well, when I was taking a guess at it, uh-huh. I'm guessing communicable is like communicating or being able to get something across to a point. Okay. But incommunicable incommunicable is is you're not able to. In things you can't quite like describe or Yeah. So they say the things that are incommunicable are things that are characteristics of God alone. Oh you silly person. Yeah. In other words, so what are the things that they said that are incommunicable, right? It's, yes. That's yeah, literally God's independence, self existence and self sufficiency, his immutability. <clears throat> oh look, that word again. Immutability. Yes. His infinity and his and this one was weird when I read it at first, his simplicity. Yeah. The fact that there are in him no elements that can conflict so that unlike us, he cannot be torn in different directions by divergent thoughts and desires. Yeah. Do you know what divergent means? (sighs) Don't think about it. Don't don't worry about it with the word thoughts and all that, but what's divergent mean? Like, I want to say, like, opposing or how do I want to describe that? Divergent thoughts. Getting, oh, it's changing. I don't know. Like, changing. uh, Well, I guess, well, that would be kind of like changing thoughts. Um, I don't know. I can't think of how to word that. Divergent means tending to be different or develop in different directions. Develop in different directions. Divergent interpretations. Divergent uh, from one another. Different from one another. Think of it that way. Different. That's better. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got that? Yeah. All right. So the second group, the communicable. What's incommunicable? What? 
Can't be. What's the matter? He cannot be torn in different directions by divergent thoughts and desires. In other words, he can't have a desire that is separate from his thought. His thoughts and desires are uniform in what they want. For example, let's make this a very human example, okay? And even the scriptures talk about this. We know what we are to do that is right and good, right? Correct. We know what is holy. We know what God wants of us. But our flesh desires different things at times. And we have to struggle against that fight. Whether that be lust, whether that be alcohol, whatever. In other words, what it's saying is God can't have any of those. He can't have that divergent thought and desire where we can. Where we want to follow God. We want to be holy. We want to try to live the right life. But mm-hmm. our urges may be for something else because they're, you know, of the flesh. God doesn't have that issue. That's what it's saying. Okay. In, in basic yeah. terms, in basic terminology. I like basic terminology. Yeah. Divergent, <laughs> but, but I mean, it's good to know more oh, advanced yes. concepts and terminology like divergent. So, so. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So communicable, that's the second group, right? Correct. Uh, things in the communicable list are God's spirituality, freedom, omnipotence, mm-hmm. along with all his moral attributes, goodness, truth, holiness, righteousness, and so on. And then it says, and this is why was my question here. What was the principle of classification here? I'm glad he said that, right? It's, it's this, that when God made man, he communicated to him qualities corresponding to all these. In other words, he told us things about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says, this is what the Bible means when it tells us that God made man in his own image. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is a different interpretation I've ever heard of God making us in his own image. This did bring me back oh, to a... Uh, a message uh pastor david given i think okay and youth group i'm thinking unless i'm in the wrong in the wrong spot um this is what yeah this is what it means when he made it in his own image mm-hmm. it's not just uh because Pastor Dave was going on about it. it's not like just like there are physical things. It's the spiritual stuff. The right, yeah. And, and that was the yeah. That was like that was the first time where I I had ever heard heard uh you know that I guess way of. <sighs> Oh, gosh, that description of it. I, ooh, I can't think of the words to use. But that was the first time I've ever heard something like that. And then I read it in this. I was like, oh, wow. Right. Now, he does go on to say, he says, God made man a free spiritual being, a responsible moral agent with powers of choice and action, able to commune with him, respond to him by nature, God, truthful, holy, upright, in a word, godly. And I was like, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's just interesting. The phraseology that he uses at first gave me room for pause on how he 
on how he worded that, you know. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how that goes as we move through the rest of the chapter. Now, thankfully, he does write this next sentence. The moral qualities which belong to the divine image were lost at the fall. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you caught me back on board. You had me worried there for a little bit, Packer, that you were a little going off board, but you brought me back. Cool. Okay, cool, 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 cool. If you don't know where that's from, that's okay. I do. Community. Oh, okay. I bet. He goes, cool, 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 cool. Yep. See, I also had a... What else did you have underlined here? It was the God is at work in Christian believers to repair his ruined image by communicating these qualities to them afresh. Mm Mm-hmm. And I have this, uh, well, actually, no, I didn't. I don't have anything underlined till the point one here. Till the point one. We must learn to re- oh, okay. reverence God. So do you have anything between there and there? I just underlined Proverbs 4, 7, and 13. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get, uh, therefore get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Dot, 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 dot. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is for it is your life. Whoa. Mm-hmm. I guess the part that I suppose grabbed my attention was though it cost all you have. It's like, oh, all I have? Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, the book of Proverbs. Interesting. <laughs> it's a good book. If you haven't read all the way through it, it is a very good book. Oh, I've started. <laughs> As I said, if you haven't read all the way through it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay. Maybe I have, but do I remember much? No. So I like where he now goes. He goes, where can we find wisdom? The okay. fear of the Lord. What steps must a person take to lay hold of this gift? Because there are two prerequisites according mm-hmm. to Scripture. One, we must learn to rever- reverence God. He, he does this, and this is why I highlight. He goes, not till we have become humble and teachable, standing in awe of God's holiness and sovereignty, acknowledging our own littleness, dis- mm. distrusting our own thoughts, and willing to have our minds turned upside down, can divine wisdom become ours. Okay. And then the second thing he says, we must learn to receive God's word. Wisdom is divinely wrought in those and only those, and those only who apply themselves to God's revelation. I was, and I was like, yep. So what that really means is if you are not in the word on a regular Basis. cadence, guess what you're not getting? Wisdom. Yep. And then his question here, and I was like, uh-huh, that's got to be convicting to a lot of people. How long is it since you read right through the Bible? And because in there he talks about... um. Archdeacon T.C. Hammond mm-hmm. used to read right through the Bible once a quarter. So that's four times a year. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <sighs> yeah. And then, and this this tells you how old it is because it goes, do you spend as much time with the Bible each day as you do even with the newspaper? Yeah. Like, wait. Hey, some people still get the newspaper. And I was like, wait, newspaper? That's still a thing? <laughs> that's still around? We waste paper on that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, newspaper. Yes. Yes, cool. we do. 
<laughs> you know, replace that with anything else. Video games, Escape from Tarkov, music, hanging out, anything like that. And then you can put it right in there. Yeah. Did I uh, just shoot, shoot, shoot over the bow there, over the bow? <laughs> no, I just liked how you specified Escape from Tarkov. <laughs> I was like, but, 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 that's going to be a Maybe I'm leaving up, uh, leaving a hint for something future. Oh, oh, look at you! It's your secrets and your Easter egg stuff. Yep. Cool. I like it. <laughs> it's not an Easter egg if you point it out. No, <laughs> you heard nothing. <laughs> you forgot all of this. Was there anything in here that you highlighted? Because literally, what you just said. Though. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you have anything under what wisdom is not? It's the next little segment. Why do I don't? I don't. Okay, I didn't either. Honestly, okay. Um, there wasn't really anything in there that stuck out. Uh, wait, I, I might take that back. I might be taking that back. I'm taking it back. Sorry. All right, no, that's right. Being in a Kindle sometimes it's a little confusing. That's okay. So. Okay. Here's where we're going to get. I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, so this, I'm going to do a statement that I agree with, and then a statement of Packer. If we were live, we would have a discussion. Okay. And you would be wrong. I don't care what you say, Packer. You would be wrong. <laughs> All right. So. <clears throat> uh, so what he's talking about in here, he's talking about how, and you have to read the book to get his analogy and get everything that's working there but he's talking about how you know people looking on like the trains or subways they'll be like oh i think i know why this train's late or this train's doing this or this train's doing that right he goes but you don't know really anything until you go into the signal box and see why they're routing the trains as it everything and then he says this sentence people feel that if they were really walking close to god then they would, so to speak, find themselves in the signal box. They would discern the real purpose of everything that happened to them, and it would be clear to them every moment of how God was making all things to work together for good. All right? And he's going on that. All right? This is right. And I agree with that. You know, it's like people often go, well, if I pray enough, if I'm spiritual enough, I want to know everything that God is doing, why he's doing it, blah, blah, blah. This is the part where me and him would have a conversation and hmm. not, not be happy. It's the next paragraph. Christians suffering from depression, physical, mental, or spiritual. Note that these are three different things. So he's saying physical, mental, or spiritual depression. May drive themselves almost crazy with this kind of futile inquiry. What sort of futile inquiry? The futile inquiry that people feel that if they were really walking close to God, then they would, so to speak, find themselves in the signal box. I was like, okay, we would have some conversation about this because, uh, yeah, there's some definite uh, presuppositions about this going into it fully. Yeah, I don't fully agree. Here, here, here's my statement on this. Disagree, agree with me, however you want to do this, right? And I'm going from my own personal experience on this. So take that with the biggest grain of salt in the world, as you should any personal opinion. 
and then you're reading it. So thanks. But I didn't think ever in my time when going through depression that I had a, that the solution was drawing closer to God for wisdom to be inside the quote unquote signal box. In fact, the thing that I was thinking and processing at the time was not so much that it was more along the lines of how do I put this in a way that makes sense to you uh, normal people? Oh, I'm going to definitely change the camera focus to your face on that one. Dang it. <laughs> you realize I get to see all the cameras simultaneously so I can focus and change the view anytime when I want it to. Okay. Um, but it was almost... I never, I, I never tried to think that, that that was the answer to walk closer to God. Because my, my thought was, this is going to sound weird. God had already abandoned me because I was depressed. And, and the, that thought of walking closer was never like a solution for me. But again, mine was more physical, mental type thing. For a spiritual person like that, that may be the truth. That may be the case. As our, I, I, I just, I just have weird thoughts on this one. I don't, and this, mm. and this little phrase. I'm like, I'm not a hundred percent sold on this. Mm -hmm. Again, not that so much that it's he's out of orthodoxy or away, you evil sinner. It's right. It's uh, we will, we'll need to talk about it. <laughs> hmm. But that's just me. Okay. Anything in there? Any thoughts on there? Any No, objections? that's still under the... Okay. And then realism needed. What does it mean for God to give us wisdom? It's like being taught to drive. You do not ask yourself why the road should narrow or screw itself into a dog leg wiggle just where it does, nor why that van should be parked where it is, nor why the driver in front should hug the crown of the road so lovingly. You simply try to see and do the right thing in the actual situation that presents itself. The effects of divine wisdom is to enable you and me to do just that in the actual situations of everyday life. To live wisely, you have to be clear-sighted and realistically, ruthlessly so. One book in scripture that is expressive expressly designed to turn us into realists and that is the book of ecclesiastes hmm. now ecclesiastes have you ever read that book all the way through uh, not that i can go back and say, I, not to the knowledge okay that i have uh do you know who the author is oh heck no okay so the author only defines himself as colette the preacher, a son of David. Most believe that it was Solomon who was this, um, this preacher, so to speak. So that, so that's what it is there, right? Um, it is interesting book. His interpretation of it is interesting. It's different interpretations that I've seen of other people 
reading Ecclesiastes. So I just was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that that's a cool little thing that he likes to do. And I was like, all right, let let let's see what he does here, right? He says the author speaks as a mature teacher, giving a young disciple the fruits of his own long experience and reflection, and that most occurrences under the sun bear no outward sign of a rational, moral God ordering them at all. I was like, hmm, this is interesting as he's going on through all this. You know, this is under the heading of Ecclesiastes where he's doing this. And he goes, seeing all this, you realize that God's ordering of events is inscrutable. Much as you want to make it out, you cannot do so. Do you know what inscrutable means first off? Oh, heck no. Where I even know where you are right now. Impossible to understand. Inscrutable. Yep. Well, where are you? I'm in under the Ecclesiastes chunk, what Ecclesiastes teaches us. Mm-hmm. Because well, I saw I, you were in the bottom of the third paragraph. Now I'm looking for the word inscrutable. Yep. It's, yeah, it's probably... Again, our page numbers aren't going to line up, so I can give you a page. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, The next thing he says is, the harder you try to understand the divine purpose in the ordinary providential course of events, the more obsessed and oppressed you grow with the apparent aimlessness of everything, and the more you are tempted to conclude that life really is as pointless as it looks. Often what is worthless survives, while that what... While what is valuable perishes, be realistic, says the preacher. Face these facts. See life as it is. It is what it is. You will have no true (laughs) wisdom till you do. (laughs) I added in the, there. it is what it it is. It is what it is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had the the harder you try to understand the divine purpose. (gasps) In the ordinary providential course of events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the whole little uh, section underlined. So, boom. Yep. And then he continues on. Many of us need this admonition. <laughs> I'm trying to find where you're um, Admonition. Admonition. Wow, I can really. Admonition? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, for not only are we caught up with the York signal box conception or misconception of what wisdom is, and again, seeing the train signals and why the trains are being pulled off or slowed down or sped up, blah, blah, blah. We feel that for the honor of God, and also, though we do not say this, for the sake of our own reputation as spiritual Christians, it is necessary for us to claim that we are, so to speak, already in the signal box, here and now, enjoying inside information as to why and wherefore of God's doings. And then something very painful and quite inexplicable comes along. And our cheerful illusion of being in God's secret councils is shattered. Our pride is wounded. We feel that God has slighted us. And unless at this point we repent and humble ourselves very thoroughly for our former presumptions, our whole subsequent spiritual life may be blighted. I was like, all right. And then this statement. Among the seven deadly sins of medieval lore was sloth, besedia, a state of hard-bitten, joyless apathy of spirit. There's a lot of it around today in Christian circles. Hmm. 
did you have anything else in this area about what Ecclesiastes teaches us? I know I kind of rattled off some pages there. No, you wrote everything that I had underlined. Okay. Um, and I, I did, I, I don't know what it is about um, the little like poemy stuff. The hymns. I always like those things though. I don't know if I just want to kind of like like partly like the words or what, but mm-hmm. the ye saints who toil below adore your heavenly king. And onward as ye go, some joyful anthems sing. Take what he gives and praise him still through good and ill, whoever lives. All right. I like that little. And then. Who's the. By Richard Baxter. Yep. We got the last little section here, the fruit of wisdom. Did you have anything? I don't think I did. Underlined, highlighted here? No. All right. I have this. As we have seen, it is not a sharing in all his knowledge, but a disposition to confess that he is wise and to cleave to him and live for him in the light of his word through thick and thin. That is where wisdom begins for us as humans and how we get wisdom with God. And that brings us to the end of chapter 10 of Knowing God by J.I. Packer.